Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit excelsiorgp.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club Podcast. Today with me, Ben Moore. Ben is a doctor, physical therapy coach, and entrepreneur. He's the owner of Evo Performance Therapy, a performance-based physical therapy clinic based in Middle Tennessee that specializes in treating active individuals. And Ben and I first connected years ago through CrossFit when he was coming in as a new trainer. He was programming the workouts and was like crushing it to Skrillex at a very high level. And that was many years ago, but it was awesome to reconnect through actually my CEO, Jared Arnold, who you know, I assume through CrossFit circles as well. But maybe let's start there. Like, when did you get into CrossFit and, and when did you find yourself at, at Go Performance here in Nashville? Yeah. So I kind of started in the fitness space doing some personal training in 2008. I went through, uh, just got a certification while I was in college and was getting into it. And then when I graduated in 2011, I moved up to Nashville. So this would have been July of 2011. And uh, yeah, started at Go Performance. Back in the day, they had a CrossFit affiliate. So I just kind of came on as a, a trainer there and was running some classes, doing some personal training sessions. And then the manager there, Kate, offered if I went and got my level one, then I could kind of take over the CrossFit program. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I hadn't really gotten into it that much. And uh, so yeah, I went and got my level one and just dove right in. So it was, a, it was an easy transition, I guess, from just general meathead stuff to kind of getting bit by the CrossFit bug. You're still at it, right? You have your own box and you still train and everything, right? Yeah. So I co-owned a gym for a little bit in town. I don't own it anymore, but we're, I'm still, our PT offices are located within some CrossFit gyms in the area. So still spending most of the days and inside a CrossFit gym. Still love to train, try to compete if time allows, but yeah, still enjoying it. Trying to stay active. Yeah. So this is, I want to talk about like aging well as an athlete is the nature of this conversation. And CrossFit gets, in my opinion, a pretty bad rap 
but it definitely has this concept that it is a very much a young man's game in a lot of ways. What has the experience been like for you, both as an athlete aging into CrossFit and then working with CrossFit athletes today, helping manage that process of going from 25 to, to 45? Yeah, I think it, it depends on how you do it and what you want to get out of it. I mean, I think we're seeing definitely on the competitive side, people that come into CrossFit wanting to compete in it as a sport. We're seeing that trend younger and younger just because the the volume of training, the amount of time spent in the gym, um, what that's demanding, it, it's hard to recover from as we get older. But I really think in a lot of ways when done well, I mean, CrossFit in and of itself is kind of an anti-aging drug. I think saying strong and fit through the lifespan helps kind of stave off most of the the effects of aging that we see. And so, you know, as the biggest thing that drops off is just our recoverability, the need to warm up well, the need to monitor our training volume and intensity. You know, you can't just, you know, if you start when you're young, when you're you know, 20, 21, and you come in, you just kill it. Maybe you're not warming up, doing all these things. Eventually that catches up with you and it's something you have to start to consider. So I kind of joke and say, once you hit 25, you have to kind of start warming up. Once you hit 30, you kind of got to start paying closer attention to what the actual training consists of. And then, you know, 35 and up, it's really got to pay attention to your sleep and your nutrition. You should be doing that all the way across, but you really start to pay for it kind of as you hit these these different ages. Yeah, the way that I've, I'm 41 and I've definitely started to try to be more mindful of just, like you said, your volume and the workouts that you, what we would refer to back in the day is like redline it, right? I mean, you can, mm -hmm. you only have so much juice in the battery, and you've got to be mindful of, you can't just show up on a Saturday morning after going out on Friday night and like max out your workouts that next morning, which you probably could have gotten away with in your 20s, just a lot more to it. 100%. That, that stuff starts to catch up with you. So how did you get into to PT? What's the origin story of the business? How did it branch out from your CrossFit roots? Yeah. yeah. I, originally, I had just zero interest in doing physical therapy. It was It's not something I experienced growing up. I mean, I kind of tagged along with my dad. He had tours ACL a couple of times and on different legs and kind of tagged along some of those sessions. But outside of that, didn't have a lot of experience with it and kind of had what probably is a general perception of like, it's kind of lame, it's boring. It's in this kind of sterile clinic environment. It's for old people or post-op or is that that just never really interested me. But working in the fitness realm, um, especially working at Go like full time um, after I completed my undergrad degree and just working with a lot of people day in, day out, they'd come in with these little aches and pains. And I can't deadlift today because I hurt my back, you know, laying some mulch in the yard or I sprained my ankle playing kickball. I can't do this or that. And it got I felt I was limited to where I wanted to help these people say, like, okay, maybe your back hurts, but like, it's gotta be something we can do for that. And you know, there's exercise and stuff. You can work around that as, as a trainer, but that's what kind of started to pique my interest in, you know, not only how do I help this person get their back stronger, but how do we prevent it in the future? Then how do we maybe optimize their performance by helping them move more efficiently and recover better? And I honestly found Kelly Starrett back in 2011, 2012. So he's the owner of the ready state. And he kind of pioneered the way for this performance therapy model and kind of watching some of his YouTube videos, reading his books, kind of realize, oh, PT isn't just for, you know, rehab stuff. There's actually a lot of prehab work we can do to kind of optimize our movement patterns and, and, and move better. And, and that can actually translate to better athletic performance. And so that started to really kind of pique my interest towards the field. Yeah, I feel like dating myself, but this would have been in 2010, 2011, like mobility work was just starting to be a thing. There were like YouTube channels you could watch with like, you know, foam rollers and lacrosse ball work, but it wasn't really part of the nomenclature 
of the culture. And here we are today where it's really become like pre and, and post workout kind of recovery is almost just as emphasized as the work itself in many ways for a lot of people. Why do you think that is? And, and what do you think these folks are generally getting right? And where is their kind of misconceptions within that world? It's a good question. Yeah, it wasn't. You're right. I don't think it was very well known. I mean, as I was kind of consuming fitness content, you know, pre, you know, 2010 and, and, and before, you didn't really talk about mobility work. It wasn't really a thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the popularity of performance-based training. I think back in the early 2000s, I mean, back to the late 90s, it's, you know, when you go to work out, you kind of do more of like the bodybuilding bro gym split. We're training body parts and, you know, separating our cardio out. Maybe we're doing the stair stepper or walking on an incline. And then we do weights kind of separately. And, and the focus was really building muscle and losing fat and looking good, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of, you know, we utilize a lot of bodybuilding principles in our current rehab protocols. But I think the focus on aesthetics and weight loss and how you look and less about how well your body is moving, how you're feeling. I think as we've trended, a lot of it probably has to do with the introduction popularity of CrossFit, but you see all of these performance-based models now. You see people that call themselves hybrid athletes, and they're really focused on how strong can I get, how fast can I run, and focusing on those performance metrics, I think has led to, oh, well, now I can't perform well if, I, if my body hurts, if I feel terrible, can't perform well if I can't comfortably get into the positions that these exercises demand. So I think some of it is just fitness and training culture evolving and then just necessary. It's kind of a necessary step to, to complement that. So now it's more, now it's more mainstream. Yeah. And I think part of it also is this emphasis on like the work Peter and Tia and these other guys are doing in terms of lifespan and health span and this realization that, man, like we could live to be 80 or 90, you know, the work we do now will inform how we feel then. Whereas I think a generation ago, it just was like, oh, I'm going to be 65 and feel terrible and not be able to move around. And that's just kind of the way things are. And now we have enough knowledge that we can say, oh, if I do these things today and I'm focused on my health and wellness, it will really help benefit me down the road as well. Yeah, I think that cultural shift is is huge. I think, yeah, just no longer accepting becoming weak and frail as we age that we can actually we actually have some control over that. I mean, I think that's huge. You, you mentioned Peter Atia, his his Outlive book. I mean, that I think everybody should read that. It's fantastic. It just gives you a great blueprint for you can get into the longevity stuff and it's great. But I mean, if you just want to live like a long, healthy, fulfilling life where you're trying to combat disease and just be physically capable, like that really has some good stuff in there. And I think just you see things right now like uh, cold plunge and sauna. I mean, even I feel like amongst folks you know, our, our age or at least our generation, like drinking alcohol is less of a thing. It's, it's more, I guess, like cool to not drink. And so I, we see a lot of these healthy things becoming more the norm. And so there's probably uh, a lot of dominoes that have, have led to that. But I, I do think it's great. I think we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping at least we'll see some of that pay off when we're 80, hopefully 90 <laughs> years old. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping so as well. But we kind of went off on a tangent. Let's go back to how you got into the PT business and what that looked like then and, and how far you've come today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of having that realization of, all right, there's another level of care I could be giving towards my clients. And once kind of had that idea of, okay, I, I want to pursue a physical therapy degree. So started applying to schools, went to Belmont University for a doctoral degree. And going into it, it was a little bit of a unique perspective, just having taken two years off in between undergrad and grad school. 
I had, I felt like I had a little more clarity as to what I wanted to do with the, the degree. But UPT school is really about making you a generalist. You know, you need to pass the boards and physical therapy is a field. You know, there's a lot of different sectors of that. There's skilled nursing, there's acute care, there's inpatient rehab and orthopedics is just a piece of that. And so you get a really broad education. And so, you know, it wasn't like I was only focusing on orthopedic sports stuff the whole time, although that was an interest. But yeah, I just kept up, continued coaching. I was coaching CrossFit on the side as I was going through school. And that let me, I think that really helped with like the pattern recognition standpoint. So you're coaching people, you're getting to watch lots of people move and see what kind of movement strategies come up with. You can identify mobility limitations, talk about injuries. And so it was nice being able to kind of apply what I was learning in school, like in real time as I was going through it. And so then coming out, then that's kind of when you get hit with, oh, the medical system, what a thing. So come out, I got a job at a kind of a big box, typical rehab place, outpatient orthopedics here in Nashville. And overall had a great experience. A lot of these places, we refer to them oftentimes as PT mills. The, the patient volume is so high. They're, they're you know, in-network insurance clinics. And just the, the nature of, of that whole system is wild. Reimbursements are decreasing. And so in order for these businesses to stay afloat, they really, the only lever they have left to pull is to crank up patient volume. And so as a therapist, you're seeing, I mean, I would see on a low day, 12 people a day, on a high day, 15, 20, sometimes more. So how much is that? How much time per client, per patient? With a new patient evaluation, that would be like a 30-minute block. So someone coming in with 10 years of back pain, you get 30 minutes to uh, talk to them, do some sort of manual intervention, create a rehab plan. I mean, it's just, it's a mess, man. And then, you know, maybe this person is an active individual. Maybe they're otherwise healthy. They just have some uh, mechanical back pain. Since they're healthy, they've got a high deductible, maybe $5,000 before their insurance kicks in. So they're paying $250 a visit. And so it's just, it was a tough system to work with some of these populations that I really felt like I was uniquely equipped to help. They would come in, it was expensive. They're coming in two, three times a week. I felt like we were kind of repeating a lot of the same stuff. We didn't have the proper equipment. You know, if you have someone that squats 400 pounds, that their knee pain only kicks in when they're squatting 275 or higher. It's not a lot I can do with this 30 pound kettlebell or have them do sit to stands next to, you know, some maybe older, less active people. And so I just felt very limited by the system. I felt like I couldn't treat in a way that would get the outcomes that I wanted. I felt like it was just, it was expensive. It was inefficient financially and from a time standpoint. And like I said, it was a great experience in that I got to see a lot of people. That was the good part of being so high volume. I got to kind of get a lot of clinical repetitions in a short period of time. But eventually I was like, man, this, there's got to be a better way than this. And so finally took the plunge in March of 2018 and opened Evo. And I opened it as just a one little room inside the gym I'd been coaching at. It was CrossFit Music City. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I had a skill set that I could help certain people and was going to figure it out. So that's kind of how the journey, how we got from, you know, trainer to PT school and into own business. So going back to your first experience within that PT space, we talk about the volume and the incentives of this huge healthcare system that we all live in. I guess the realization I've had is it's really only meant for super sick people. It's really incentivized to just provide them with pharmacological solutions because nobody has enough time or resources to actually rehabilitate them or provide them with skills or tools to get them better. And so it's this weird system where if you are healthy and active, you're almost like pushed out of it and you have to go towards different options, right? 
Yeah, it's almost like the more you take care of yourself and the healthier you are, you're really subsidizing the sicker population with, you know, because we're all paying a deductible for health insurance. The system works really well for Medicare, Medicaid populations. They don't have a copay, which is awesome. And for a lot of those folks, you know, those two, three times that they're coming in to physical therapy is the only exercise they're getting. On that same note, so many of the things they're coming in with, they wouldn't have to be in there in the first place if they were exercising regularly. And, and some of that's just an educational issue to, we can almost hate saying people's eyes glaze over. It's like, oh, you need to, you know, eat well and exercise more, or diet and exercise. And that's just, it's correct. It's just not a helpful recommendation because people are like, okay, exercise, what do I do? Do I walk? Do I lift weights? How often? How much? And so, but, you know, our healthcare system doesn't incentivize teaching those things. You know, we have people that are they're sleeping poorly, that are stressed out, that are, you know, eating poor quality foods and they aren't moving enough. Even if they are exercising for an hour a day, they're not moving enough throughout the day. And that just that leads to all sorts of musculoskeletal issues on top of just like a mental health crisis that will manifest in, in musculoskeletal ways. So lots of stuff can be done. So it, it is interesting that we spend so many healthcare dollars trying to fix things that could have been prevented with far cheaper uh, solutions. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different, I will put on my tinfoil hat about the pharma, big pharma today. We'll spare the audience. We put together a free resource available exclusively to our podcast listeners. If you're looking for strategies to safeguard your portfolio against inflation, you want to check out our latest guide on the best alternative investments to consider. Head to excelsiorgp.com slash download to learn more. Our audience are Usually entrepreneurs, financial professional services folks, they have active professional lives, they have active family lives, they are probably active individuals. One of the things I really wanted to get in with you is now that I've gotten older, is this realization of preventive maintenance or being prophylactic with my training because I've realized that now that I'm in my 40s, I never wanted to get hurt. But now if I get really hurt and I can't train or I can't be active, it's just so much harder to get back to where I was, right? So could you maybe speak a little bit about how you work with athletes on a preventive basis and like a maintenance go forward basis as well? Absolutely. I think it's a great point as we get into not, I don't say like age or get older, but like as we're in our like, you know, 30s and 40s and, you know, the stakes are higher. Maybe if you're in college and you tweak your back, you've got to chill for a bit, but you, you bounce back pretty quick. But if you're 35, 40, 45, and you know, you get a little muscle strain, maybe it's not a serious injury, but it can kind of put you out for a week or two. You know, okay, what's the toll physically just from now you can't train? But then also, like, if you have kids, if you're working, what does that do for that? If I think on the low end, and just, you know, I know for me, if I have a little ache or pain and I can't train or I just my back hurts, I just, I'm irritable. I'm not as good of a father or husband that, that I could be. Um, I can't be as present mentally even with work. And so I think the stakes are just raised. We, we just, the tolerance for an injury, we just can't really, don't have time for it. No, no one's got time to get hurt. So we work with a lot of professionals that have poured a lot of time and energy into their careers and they are active. Uh, they're busy. So maybe they get an hour. That's their dedicated time, maybe early in the morning that they have to get their fitness in. And having a plan to take care of yourself is huge. And so the good thing about the internet is there's tons of resources available. And the bad thing is that there's tons of resources available. 
So it, it can be difficult to wade through what information is good and what do we not need to pay attention to. So I think it's one of the biggest things I always say whenever we're looking at like recovery and trying to downregulate and recover from the day and exercise, I like to use a shotgun approach where, you know, we're trying all kinds of different stuff. We're maybe getting a massage or taking a vacation. We're foam rolling. We're stretching, maybe trying yoga. But when it comes to like trying to improve your mobility and getting really specific with things, I like to take more of like a sniper approach. What are the big rock items where I can spend five, 10 minutes a day, they'll get me the most bang for my bucks that I'm not spending an hour stretching or feel like I've got to go take this class or, you know, spend forever doing this one thing that frankly, there's just no time of the day for, you know, no one really wants to spend 30 minutes a day stretching, hoping it's going to help. It's much more beneficial if you're like, cool, I know I have these three movements. If I just do these every day, that's going to keep my knees feeling good, or that's going to keep my shoulder feeling good. And so we work with people to, we really will bring people in and go through kind of a head to toe evaluation and kind of say, hey, these are kind of the areas that are a bit tight. Here's what's a bit weak. Here's some of the imbalances we're finding. And then we can kind of build out like a, a more specific mobility program that we can really custom tailor. I mean, we'll get down, we'll break out people's weekly schedules or like, cool, this is how you're going to plug this in. Uh, we have it all kind of built out some of our programming platforms. And so it really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And that, that allows people to operate at, at a higher level. And we can when we see people kind of on our maintenance, kind of monthly maintenance program, we're always talking about, hey, how are you sleeping? How's your stress? How's your nutrition been? And we can really start to almost predict flare-ups or injuries before they happen. And then we can take steps to, to get ahead of it. Really? So you can like recognize these fact patterns and see this looming issue within a certain client if you've worked them enough and you have enough data inputs? Yeah, we've had, had a, a patient that had chronic back pain for upwards of 10 years and it would routinely just flare up and it would just put them down for you know a week at a time. And it was little things where like they couldn't play with their kids. If they just played a pickup game of basketball, they could tweak it. And we would find that certain uh, things would trigger that. So like a family vacation was one. I think that was a combination of like kind of work stress leading up to the vacation, trying to get all your loose ends tied up and just some of the, the interpersonal stress of actually doing the vacation. We found that was a trigger. And so when we new things were coming up on the schedule, we would kind of go over strategies of like, hey, take an extra X amount of time, do some of these mobility drills. Let's do some breath work, maybe cut yourself some slack here. Even just bringing awareness to these patterns can, can be powerful ways to, to kind of prevent those things from happening. Yeah, I really like your breakdown of these kind of larger kind of macro strategies, right? Like always working about worry or focused on mobility and stretching and whatever form or fashion that takes with you, but also being tactical with, okay, these are my two or three problem areas. What's my best like ROI for my time on working through them? So maybe let's get a little granular. It seems like lower back, knees and shoulders are kind of the usual culprits for people who have been a CrossFit athlete for a long time or been doing bodybuilding work for a long time, or maybe even were like a runner or cyclist or the usual folks that I run around with that are having these like recurring issues, it seems like. Any general thoughts? I mean, obviously working with a professional like yourself, but I guess if you're in that situation, you made this point earlier about how there's almost, there's just overwhelming amount of information out there. Like, where do you start? What are the questions to ask? Where do you go? You know, how do you help people like navigate through this process? Absolutely. We kind of have what we call like our four pillars that we want to 
make sure we have in, in alignment. And someone when someone comes in for an eval and they're there for their back or their shoulder or their knee, I always want to reassure them and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to cover this. I'm not just going to talk to you about sleep for an hour. We're going to address the actual musculoskeletal issue because there, there's value there. But I like to start with those four pillars. So they are sleep, nutrition, hydration, kind of in one pillar, stress management, and then movement. And movement also encompasses not just working out, just general purpose movement. So really want to make sure that those four are at least like adequate. We're, we're hitting the mark most of the way on those because if one of those is way off or if multiple are off in, in a meaningful way, then it matters a lot less what, you know, mobility drill you do. So, you know, for sleep, we talk about sleep hygiene, the, the research with sleep. If you've ever tracked it, you've seen this, but typically time in bed minus an hour is about how much sleep you're getting. So if you spend eight hours in bed, you're getting about seven hours of sleep. And that's kind of the, the minimum we get people to shoot for. That's kind of survival mode. The research is pretty clear that if we're getting less than that, if we're getting six hours or less, that we're much more likely to get injured. We're much, uh, the, when we do have pain, our pain experience is higher. We experience higher levels of pain, just with that little amount of sleep it just puts our body in more of a stressed state. So we talk to folks about, you know, when they're going to bed, when they're waking up, do they feel rested? How cold is their room? Is it dark? Do they use a sound machine? What do they do getting ready for bed? Do they have a bedtime routine? And we'll help. Sometimes none of those things are in place. And if we can just optimize a few of those things, like get the room a bit colder, use a sleep mask, get some blackout curtains, and we can improve the amount of deep sleep and REM sleep that we're getting. I mean, that's when our body heals itself. So that alone can make a massive difference in how refreshed we feel, how ready to exercise, how much mental clarity we have throughout the day. So we talk through that. That's probably the, the biggest one. If you're not sleeping, that's, I mean, that, that's the first place I'd want someone to start. After that, we'll talk about nutrition and hydration and that diet, such a loaded subject that I don't harp on it too much. There's no specific diet that I think people need to follow, but it's more of, are you getting enough of the good stuff? So are we getting high quality foods enough to cover our movement? that we take part in throughout the week and are always staying hydrated. It's hot in Tennessee. We're sweating a lot. How's your electrolyte intake? How's your water intake? Stress management is big. This one that you can go down a whole rabbit hole, especially with more chronic pain. There's a lot of stuff around mental health. I mean, we have uh, therapists that will refer people out to. I think that there's a good book called the body keeps the score that, you know, we'll have like physical pain due to um, traumas or, or things we face in the past. Maybe we haven't work through. And that could be any number of things. We see that play a, a massive role, um, particularly in chronic low back pain. I think the number one, yeah, the number one correlative factor with low back pain, chronic low back pain is depression. And so- Is that uh, right? Yep. Really? Yep. You would, you would think it'd be something else, obesity or something. But yeah, that's, that's the stat that I'm, I'm familiar with that I've heard. And so- you know, making sure we're mentally healthy, we're doing things to, you know, you're talking about working with kind of high performing professionals. If we don't have a way to mitigate stress, that can really put our body in more of a, you know, a, a stressed out state, we're more likely to experience injury. And I think everyone's experienced that, you know, maybe you get in a fight with your spouse, or you got a, a big deadline at work or something going on, it can, you don't have as good of a workout, or that's when you're more likely to get injured and all that stuff's going on. And the last one is movement. I think a lot of times, especially now, we find that people will go take a class and push hard for an hour, maybe it's a spin class or a CrossFit class or a boot camp, and they'll work hard, they'll sweat, which is amazing. I think it's awesome to get that in, but then we're sedentary the rest of the day. And so we're, we're not really living like an active lifestyle, even though we are, so we call it like an active sedentary. And so we'll just talk about, you know, okay, are you exercising regularly? Perfect. Check that box. That's a huge step. A lot, most people are not doing that. But if we are, 
how do we fit in movement other times of the day? So how many a step tracker is a simple way to do that. Say, all right, how many steps a day are you getting? All right, let's add one to 2,000. That. Are we getting 7,000, 8,000 steps a day? So maybe that's going for a short walk with the family after dinner, maybe taking a call and walking while you're talking. There's a lot of strategies there. So really trying to, those don't all have to be perfect, but I like to go through those to get to know people, to see what area, maybe where's the low-hanging fruit, that if we address that, we can have a huge injury prevention or massive pain reduction just from addressing that. Yeah. I mean, for so long, I know myself, I was trying to find this magic bullet solution of like, the right workout regimen or the right programming in terms of lifting to get me to where I wanted to go. But the, the realization I've had is, to your point, if my foundation is not strong in terms of am I getting enough sleep, am I getting like my meditation in, am I going to my weekly talk therapy sessions, am I getting my macros in, like those things are very basic and, and frankly pretty boring. But unless you have that foundation, like this other stuff just doesn't really matter. You can't make up for, because to your point, even if you are active for an hour, one hour out of 24 a day, it's just not going to do enough for you. And so it's very hard with these hard charging, like alpha males to convince them of this, but it's totally true. So that's definitely where where to start. Absolutely. And one of my favorite parts about the Peter Atiyah's book, Outlive, is his framework around exercise. I love it. I think it's extremely well-rounded, which makes sense. He's very evidence-based. But a lot of it, the, the most prevalent piece of it is kind of the zone two cardio, 45 to 60 minutes of that, you know, four times a week. And so that's really, that's a long, brisk walk for a lot of people. It's really the amount of exercise built in there. It's quite a bit. It's a lot. And so, uh, yeah, I think just having more activity throughout the day. I mean, the stats on just a 20-minute walk per day, the stats on mortality rates for that, I can't quote them off the top of my head, but they're pretty shocking. Just every everything gets better. Uh, I like the example, if you think about like nutrition, if someone's concerned about like what type of creatine or multivitamin they're taking, but like they're eating fast food three meals a day. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, don't worry about that part just yet. And so it's, it's the same thing with just generally a healthy life. It's the Unfortunately, it's the boring stuff and kind of mastering the mundane, but building out those systems and routines. I mean, that's the secret. And have you seen that when you work with, let's say, quote unquote, older clients? So people in their 50s and 60s, have you seen common characteristics or consistencies across that population cohort that is doing well, staying active? Do they just get the basics down really well and they're just like part of their routine and then they go beyond that? Is that something that you've seen in your practice? I think the demands and stressors kind of change throughout the age range. I think the stuff we just talked about, I would say is probably most applicable to on the very low end, 25 year olds, but probably more 30 to 40 year olds up to about 60 or so. Because I think once we get over 60, once we start getting closer to retirement range, I think maybe it's just wisdom, (laughs) but people start to appreciate the idea of slowing down a bit and not pushing quite as hard. So I found in my older clients that are 60, 65 plus, it is we're concentrating a lot more on sleep and movement. And then my professional clients, kind of like the, we'll call them our 30 to 50 year olds that are still, you know, going hard in all aspects of life. That's really more about finding balance between those four pillars And then my young clients that are 25 and under is just trying to instill habits and routines that set them up for the next kind of the next chapters. Yeah, I had a call this morning with a friend 
she's an entrepreneur. Her business is doing really well. She like texted me a freak out text is what I would call it about <laughs> how can I be a good friend and a good wife and a good mom and a good business leader and blah, 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 all at once. And we had a call and I said, listen, like you can sprint for, I think, three to five years, but at some point, like the wheels just come off. I don't care who you are. You can't maintain all those aspects of your life and you've got to figure out a way to like manage your life appropriately because even if it's in the gym, right? If you're going super hard on the fitness side, that's also unsustainable, right? And so I think it is simple and it's cliche, but trying to figure out a way to allocate your resources accordingly so that you stay in the game longer, I think is the, the big takeaway for me now that I'm in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you people I've talked to that are, you can get, you can only control so many variables. There are certain things that are out, out of control. I've talked to some professionals that are very high performing that are, you know, C-suite level or towards it that like, we can't do anything about their job or work demands that they are what they are. And let's just tell someone to quit their job. There's kind of that extreme end, but it is trying to control what you can control. And I think for a lot of folks trying to rely on willpower and think that you're just weak for not being able to make it work, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. You know, I, I think trying to build out systems and routine that just set you up for success. So, like, if you're super busy and you know, like, you maybe struggle with nutrition, like, pay for a meal prep service. Like, and if you have a family and don't want to spend all day Sunday cooking your food, there's so many great, like, pre made meals you could do. Yes, it costs money, but the value you get from that is worth it. And so, I like trying to, you know, what's kind of my perfect day, doing the perfect day exercise, like try to block schedule a day or a week and then, all right, what things can I move? What can I not move? And so you set things up. Okay, I have time for exercise on the books. I have family time on the books. I have work time. And you can really kind of audit your life and see where you're at and then try to move yourself more towards that kind of perfect schedule and just trying to audit that. I mean, even quarterly, monthly and see where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I had a podcast interview with a... She's like a wellness coach for these super, super high achieving financial Wall Street guys, usually. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting. She kind of fell into it, but she works with like big hedge fund managers, these huge private equity executives. And we're talking like private planes, right? Like big guys. Yeah. And it's crazy to me, but it's so true that all the things that most of the time, the characteristics that get you to be that successful in business are what will lead to like horrible mental health, horrible physical health, and a terrible family life. But the thing that they have all this money, but what they don't have is any time, right? And so they've got to try to figure out a way to get this time back. And so I think to your point, I've started advocating for people that I know, just like you said, like, dude, throw money at this problem. Hire a coach, hire a nutritionist, hire a meal prep plan, hire like a part-time chef to come in and like, do your breakfast and lunches for the week. Just because I think part of it is just this decision fatigue where you're like making all these decisions in business every day, all day. And then you get up and you go to the gym and you're like, I have no idea what I'm going to do today. Like you can't roll in there without a plan because then it's just going to blow up. Yeah. And just outsource that plan. Have someone else write it for you. Have someone who's going to hold you accountable. I mean, what's the point in becoming financially successful? I mean, I think I, I, I at least look at money as like a vehicle towards freedom. And if you're not using any of it to get you more freedom, then like, you know, what are we doing? You know, pay the money for the chef and the nutrition, pay for the coach and um, get that time back. That's, you know, it's a great utilization of resources is to just make your life easier. Yeah. Hire Ben. That's what you should do. <laughs> Come on. So Ben, it's awesome to reconnect with you, man. Thank you for coming on the show. 
Could you give a call out again to like the website or the location or if where you're active on social media, if people want to connect with you and learn more about the work you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our website is evoperformancetherapy.com. So evo, E-V-O, like evolution, evoperformancetherapy.com. We're super active on Instagram, evo.pt. We post all kind of mobility drills and tips and tricks. And that's a great place to start just to kind of consume some free stuff on our end and see what we're about. We're always available if you have questions. Uh, we do free you know, discovery calls where if you just have a question about an injury or you're curious about what we do, see if you're a good fit, those are always available. You can schedule those online. We're located all over Nashville. So we have five clinic locations right now, two in the kind of downtown area, one's in 12 South, one's on the east side near the Titan Stadium. We have two in the Franklin Cool Springs area, one's near the factory, and then one's in the Berry Farms area. Uh, we also have a Chattanooga location uh, a little bit outside of town. We're currently building out our brand new kind of headquarters clinic, and that's off 4th Avenue, kind of the north Wedgwood Houston area. So we're really excited about that. That's going to be a state-of-the-art facility with it's some great looking treatment rooms, a nice, well-equipped gym in the back. So looking to open that up in the next two weeks. So if you follow us on Instagram, we'll be posting some details about that. So yeah, that's our info. I'm happy to chat. If people have questions, they can reach us any of those places. Awesome. I just started following the page. Thank you for coming. For all of our listeners, please do let us know your favorite part of the conversation. Leave us a rating. Leave us some comments, questions that you might have for Ben. Ben, we ask everyone who comes on the show one question. You get a bonus question because you're a CrossFit bro. Okay. First question, do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? Oh, great question. For me, it's getting movement in. I've tried to fight it sometimes, be like, I'll just not do anything today, but always getting some movement in, whether that is like a short yoga type practice or a really hard training session, but just moving my body just brings about, just my body feels better and I feel more mentally clear. Yeah, that's been a big thing for me is trying to teach myself that I don't have to like max it out every day for it to be, to qualify as me being active. It can be just like, you know, stretching exercise or a yoga session on the Peloton app or something. And that can check the box for me. That's been really helpful. So thank you. Absolutely. Bonus lightning round question. What's your best Murph time? Oh, shoot. I mean, without a weight vest, I think it was like low 40 minutes with a weight vest. I don't know. I'm not a great runner. So it depends on how we do it. I'm probably between 50 and 60 minutes with a weight vest. So bigger, bigger guys, this struggle pull-ups in the running just crush you yeah push-ups crush me man especially if you do it unpartitioned getting the 200 push-ups in a row like that gets pretty nasty brutal ben thanks for coming on man best of luck with the new location definitely encourage people to reach out putting out great content on the website on instagram etc and best of luck moving forward man this is awesome thanks for having me Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 